Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast with me, Holly Johnson. And me, Molly. Oh, wait, do I need to say my last name as well? I think you should. Molly Pickering. <laughs> it's you, Molly Pickering. <laughs> and we are your weekly dose of vegan food, news and topical chat. Not even all vegan. You know, you don't have to be vegan to listen to this podcast. You We're could be just... baby. Exactly. You could be vegan curious. You could be, you know, maybe just like dabbling with a bit of vegetarianism. Dipping your toes in. Maybe you have a Richmond sausage once a week. <laughs> You're all welcome here. But before we do anything, please, 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 can you subscribe to the Simply Vegan podcast on your platform of choice? Because it really helps us to reach more listeners. And it also means that you get reminders of when there's new episodes and everything like that. So, And it's free. You literally just have to click a button. Just click it. Just do it. Now. (laughs) Well, we've got a very, um, very interesting episode for you today. So we've got the founder of PETA, not PETA, as I found out halfway through the interview. Oh, I've been calling it PETA my whole life. Yeah, same. I, I, yeah, I did my research. Other people were calling it PETA. It's not PETA. But (laughs) we've got the founder of PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, um, Ingrid Newkirk who is 74. She's been doing it for 40 years. Wow. She's been arrested. She's been, she's done all sorts. Um, and yeah, proper, proper vegan activist. And she's been in the news this week about sending body parts to celebrities and, and royalty um, mm. in, when she, when she dies. Um, not, <laughs> not just random body parts. She's sending bits of an ear off. Yeah. Yeah. Just take my it's ear. It's like a mob film. No, she's, <laughs> she's updated her will. So it's a really interesting listen. So stick around for that in part two. But before we get started, um, I just wanted to read out a lovely review. And if you'd like to leave us a review too, we will love you forever. Um, Again, it helps uh, more people to join our community, to get involved with veganism. So where can people leave these reviews, Holly? Because Spotify doesn't leave you, allow you to leave a review. I think Apple Podcast does though. All the other, I think all the other ones, I think it's just Spotify that doesn't allow you. Okay. Uh, well, it's, it's basically says five stars, inspiration, uh, inspirational and informative. I'm so inspired to continue on my vegan path because of this podcast. It's been just over six months for me and listening to Holly and Molly and all of their incredible guests has helped me feel supported and connected to the truth of why this path is so important to me. They are so much fun to listen to. The guests, I think, not us. I don't know. What do you reckon? <laughs> I reckon us. Let's let's go with us. We can toot our own horns. Yeah. And I look forward to my daily commute just to tune into the Simply Vegan podcast. Oh. I've even gone back to the beginning to catch up on all of my missed episodes. Wow, that's so nice. I know. Thank you. And I don't thank know. You, I've you. only got their username, A Faint Seventy Two, and they're in Canada. But thank you so much. That oh. really means the world to us because sometimes podcasting can be a lonely affair and it can be a struggle because pretty isolated yeah and you kind of think you know why sometimes you just sort of think I suppose it's like any job isn't it sometimes you have your days where you're like why am I doing this is it making any difference you know yeah um it's so lovely to hear from people so yeah please do and you can also email us simplyvegan at anthem.co.uk let us know your thoughts so please do connect with us Let's let's have a bit of a catch up, shall we? Because I haven't, mm. se- I haven't seen you for ages. What's going on? I feel like I've not, even though we recorded an episode each week. I feel like I've not 
seen you. It's not or like a... spoke to you. No, I've not told you what I've been eating. I'm not I know. What I've been doing. You haven't been leaving me WhatsApp voice messages. You've just been off doing your own thing, mate. Sunshine, honest to God. Yeah, it's not just you. I promise. I've not even spoke to my mum. <laughs> <laughs> You've ditched us all for the. I am outside. <laughs> Lush. What have you been doing then? Been in the park. Oh, the park. Isn't it just something so wonderful about just sitting in a park yeah. for hours? Yeah. Just hours, hours and hours and hours and just chatting absolute shite and <laughs> just maybe having a little drink. I have stopped drinking for a little bit. I, I think I got quite excited when the sunshine came out and I was just like, well, I have to drink now. And that's not the case. I think I started a bit too early. We've got, you know, three, four months of sunshine still. <laughs> Let's not let's not burn out too quickly. I was I was saying to uh, my friend the other day, it's so hard when there's, the sun is shining and you've been uh, in the office or in your home office or your lounge, or kitchen table, wherever, yeah. working all day, and um, you know it gets to sort of five six o'clock and you're like, oh, cold crisp glass of oh. whatever I don't know, wine cider. Uh, you know, and I could be sitting in my garden or in the pub, pub garden or something, and it's it's really hard. It's like no, mustn't mustn't give in. It's hard. It is hard. I think it's so easy to be like in the winter. It's actually quite easy to be healthier in a sense. Uh, uh, like when I say healthier, not drink as much booze. But then <laughs> is that true? I don't think that's true at all because it's cold. And you're like, well, you might as well have a glass of wine. <laughs> It's hard all year round. <laughs> it's hard all year round. Um, but yeah, so trying to curb drinking a little bit, just be a bit more wholesome. Mm. I'm actually on the hunt for some elderflower. Oh, if lovely. You must know. Yeah, trying to get some, actually found some yesterday, but it was when I was leaving the pub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a liar. I'm literally such a liar. I just said I'm not drinking, but I had one pint yesterday. So that's fine it okay. doesn't matter okay but we were leaving the pub garden um do you know the farm in St. Moabos I in do Bristol? yeah I used to go beautiful, there yeah beautiful they've got a massive elderflower bush tree yeah, I yeah. don't really know um and as I was coming out I was like this is it this is yeah. it and then I was like oh god do I just go and take some yeah. like, how, how does this work I know um, there's loads. I mean, I went for a little bike ride the other evening and I saw loads of it. And when mm. I, um, so I got married, well, it was 19 years ago now at the end of June. So we had Aww. a, we had a 10 year wedding anniversary, like festival type thing. And Aww, my, cute. yeah, my stepdad made, he went and picked loads of elderflower. I think they had it in their garden and made like elderflower champagne or elderflower wine yeah you can make elderflower champagne which is also kind of what I want to do um but you can obviously make cordials you can make vinegars that you kind of like put with like obviously salads and stuff like that to make salad dressings um and I just love it I think there's something so lavender and elderflower literally calm my soul so much it's quite a light delicate flowery yeah Flavor. And rose, love the smell of rose. Oh, yeah. We've got a, we've got a beautiful rose bush growing in our front garden, and I just walk past and like, oh, my grand. Do you know what my granddad won Britain in Bloom one year for his Stop. rose? He was so proud. I mean, my granddad was about wow. five foot tall, and there's this picture of him, and he's so tiny, like looking looking up at all his rose bushes. He oh, were they bigger than him? They were huge, and they, he'd take Aww. me around the garden. The garden wasn't like that big but he'd take me around he'd be like do you know what this one's called holly 
This one's named after Princess Stop. Diana. And this one, tell me the history of all the names of the roses. Wow. So, yeah, they're really special to me whenever I see them. I'm just, and they smell so good, don't they? I think it's just so, like, we are quite out of touch with plants and just what grows in the UK. I think that's something that, like, I've really, really tried to, like, learn about recently my partner's mum she is just a book of knowledge on plants she is just anything she's like oh yeah that's that's that and can just list it off the top of her head um and I think it's actually such a shame that we just don't care not necessarily care but we're not taught about it anymore we're not taught about the importance of certain plants like what certain flowers can do what certain plant leaves can do you know how Mm. they impact the environment whether they're good for the environment whether they're bad for the environment you know I think it's such an interesting topic and there's actually so much growth in the UK um that people just don't know about I know you're gonna love next week's episode because that's I spoke to uh Hugh Richards who's a a gardening expert he's got like 700,000 followers on YouTube something like that um and yeah so it's I all... don't know why that was like oh oh, oh bless him <laughs> no as in like I'm just so excited uh, yes <laughs> so wholesome wholesome content only please yes yeah so he's um he was talking about or will be talking about ne- in next week's show just about how we can bro- grow more food at home like lettuce yeah. and strawberries and cucumbers and just things like that I know. so yeah I really my, fri- wanna... my, my friend um I feel like we're, all of my friends are in our like garden core era um (laughs) and my friend dylan who is just so special to me he has just started growing um he's got rocket he's got kale he's got spinach i think he's got some sort of other lettuce not like an iceberg lettuce or maybe like a lamb's 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 lettuce something like that it's quite a leafy one um and I've never seen Rocket that big in my life. It's ginormous. And he's just not put any fertilizer in it. It's, it's all just kind of like organically grown. Amazing. And it's just beautiful. And it's just like, God, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to go to the garden and just be like, oh, I fancy a salad. I'm just going to go and pick. Yeah. Pick my bits. I know. Yeah. Pick my bits. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It's just like free food, isn't it? Oh, and it's just amazing. I think that's such a like uh satisfaction and just like gratitude from being and like the smugness is like yeah I've just grown that yeah I've just done something really positive for the environment it all tastes so much better as well but I know let's talk more about that next next week um and and we can all start planting some stuff to grow yeah um I imagine you've got a very lively garden Mm, I so have I just outed you then yeah you have (laughs) yes I do Molly I'm out there all the time watering and (laughs) weeding and pruning uh no well the thing is I'm not very knowledgeable um Mm -hmm. on what's supposed to go in shade and I just find it overwhelming yeah and I think it's um it's a lot to learn yeah like and I basically we we bought a new build six years ago so it was yeah. just literally you know rubbish just, green grass yeah with a ton of like builders rubble dumped underneath it mm. um and that was it and a f- fence and a wall so I mean we planted up loads we've got like two lavender bushes out the front which have gone crazy yeah my lavender has gone mental yeah it's like oh <laughs> you've really taken over everything we've got window boxes with pansy you know it's sort of the yeah. your basic stuff I mean I I put in some raised beds 
which in my head was going to, they were going to be full of, of veg, you know, growing yeah. up, up the fence. But in reality, it's sort of, I don't know, the soil's like hard as nails. And mm. it's it's time, isn't it? I think when you're working and, you know, if you've got kids or a busy social life, whatever, you do you do need to put the hours in. And at the weekend, I don't necessarily want to be, wanna be in the garden. doing it. I want to just go off and just drink. <laughs> <laughs> go paddleboarding or walking. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I yeah I know we're kind of similar but I've just I saw something the other day and it was like it was a meme and it was like why the UK has no biodiversity and it was just like all of these lawns that like garden lawns that were just so like pristinely cut and there was just no sense of like wildlife there there was no like abundance of just different plants it was just clean, clean cut yeah. grass and I was like I'm not gonna mow my lawn I'm yeah. not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to, because we've got loads of wildflowers. We've got like dandelions, we've got daisies. And those are like the plants that, yeah. you know, are actually keeping our bees and our pollinators, you know, fed and fed. Uh, do we feed them through plants? Yeah. I, I guess. Can we, can we have an episode on bees, please? Can you, yeah. can you speak to someone about bees? Because I love bees okay. so much. Yeah, I'll f- speak to the queen. The queen, bee. The, the queen bee. <laughs> Beyonce? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a really good idea, actually. Let's, um, let's get someone on to tell us how we can help bees yeah. um, a bit more. Um, what have you been cooking then? Been cooking anything nice? Um, yes, I have. I have just discovered the most amazing bread, like local baker. Um, he does it out of his house. He's a vegan baker and he just does the most incredible sourdough. Like it's just insane mm. and really, really affordable as well. It's massive loaves for like four pounds. I know that might sound a lot, but actually freshly baked sourdough, you can pay close to 10 pounds yeah. for in Bristol um so four pounds for this ginormous loaf um and then i had got these lovely sourdough battens uh baguette sorry so made um just the best sandwich it was panko aubergines um mm. so just panko breadcrumbs um aubergines floured and then like dipped in milk and then dipped in the crumbs and i air fried those and then made an olive tapenade a I know I love olive tapenade. Oh, I love olive tapenade. Why is it so good? It doesn't need. It has no business being that delicious. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's just unfair. Salty and tangy it's and unfair. I I put lemon and capers and chili and mm, 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 all the boys. Um, and then I made. Have you ever had like the little sweet drop peppers? They're on the Marks and Spencer's pizza, vegan pizza. And uh, they're just like little, yeah. little teardrops and they're just so delicious. Made like a little salsa out of that. Some rocket, some French, um, French mustard mayo as well. Oh my God, Molly. All Stop. Stop this and now. <laughs> it was insane. It was actually insane. This is like food porn right here. It, I'm going to, I'm posting the um, recipe up on Molly Alice Eats today. Well, what day? From day of recording Wednesday. So yeah. by the time this episode goes live, I should have put it up if I'm, not being, if I'm not being lazy. Yeah. Oh, so nice. Well, I made something um, with capers, actually, and it's my new favorite thing. So we had friends over for it was my friend's birthday and we sort of take it in turns to have like things at each other's houses. So it was yeah. our turn to do it here. 
and you always get a bit like, oh God, like I need to make this mm. different. How am I going to do something different for the barbecue? It can't just be, you know, Linda McCartney burgers or yeah. it's got to be something like next level. So I was kind of like, you know, sort of looking on on um, veganfoodliving.com, of course, for recipes. Where else would you go? And and <laughs> Vegan Food Living magazine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Remind me to talk about my barbecue after you've talked about yours. Oh, okay. So yeah, I did um I did a salsa verde mm. which usually has anchovies in but does not need anchovies in no. at all. I don't understand. Capers. Yeah, capers, gherkins, lemon juice, red wine vinegar. Wow. So I'm thinking I might do from Friday's cook along um Friday the 9th 12:30 p.m. GMT if you're on Patreon join us please or sign up to Patreon to join us for it. Um, I'm thinking I might do like tofu tacos with oh, with salsa verde. Delicious. I know. I've literally been putting this stuff on everything, just like dipping bread in it. And, and What is a salsa verde? Is it just kind of like a leafy, greeny kind of chunky salsa? <clears throat> is that? No, not really. It's more like a... No. <laughs> no, Molly, it's not. I'm taking over the cooking now. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Well, I think... I think it can be chunky, but I just do it in the blender. So it's more mm. like a green sauce. Okay. It's, it's, I suppose it's like pesto, but it doesn't right, taste okay. like pesto. It's tangy. It's like a Mexican um, sauce. And it's, mm. um, yeah, I've got loads of fresh herbs in. So like mint, basil, Very parsley. Yeah, it's just really, if you Not like, floral yeah, if you like pickled things and that sort of tang, it's got mustard it in it. Yeah, it's so good. And um, did, did drizzled it over like all the veg skewers and tofu. Mm. And um, I also do a Waldorf salad. So that was chopped apple, celery, walnuts, um, grapes, a little bit of vegan mayo and oh. lemon. Grapes in the salsa. Oh, wow, Ooh. wow, wow. Yeah. No, Keep that... seeing pickled grapes everywhere. Oh, do you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I did that and then I did a giant couscous salad. So yeah, I just did all all the salads and um what actually went on the barbecue? The tofu and some um the some white fish for the non vegans. Nice. Well, not nice. Yeah. <laughs> not nice. <laughs> not necessary nice. at all to have a nice barbecue. <laughs> what did you do for yours? Um, so I um did just kind of like classic we did have fake meat like we just made some like kebabs from um some tesco mints which were just seasoned with like paprika um cayenne pepper all-purpose seasoning all of like onion powder all that stuff um and then we did miso mushrooms i did a corn um and i made like a butter just like a lemony chili butter with like mm. parsley and all of that stuff but i made a salad from last year's vegan food and living um it was our alfresco um issue oh wow 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 wow! it was so good it was quinoa peas edamame mint um i think it had some the recipe called for kale but we didn't have any kale so we just put rocket in there um some carrots and then just kind of like a really nice vinaigrette and mm. it was just so beautiful it was delicious it's crazy how good salads can be because when you yeah. say salad it's like oh god but there's just so many different things you can you do you just think lettuce cucumber tomato yeah no, <laughs> i don't want those i don't want those i want the like i want the beans i want the grains i want some little herbs mm. maybe some maybe some crunchy bits maybe some peanuts in there 
Oh God, you're going yeah. wild now. I do love a, I do love nuts in salad. Oh, yeah, God. I'm all the best over that. Thing. Toast them a little bit with a bit of salt. Oh, I need a little bit of salt. Delicious. I'm starving right now. I know. I know. <laughs> I realised we were probably meant to talk about um, the upcoming interview with yeah. Pat Founder, but we were just talked about us. Our, our dinner. <laughs> our, our dinner. Our lunches. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, Ingrid is an incredible woman and um, very inspirational. She was on, she's been in the UK this week doing some um, sort of interviews and stuff. And she was on, Mm. oh, what's it called? A Pint with, oh, what's his name? I don't know. Nigel Farage. Oh, goodness. Yes. she. Did. Oh, wait, that's going to that that'll be an interesting conversation. Yeah, it was. But she was I mean, she was brilliant on it. I just, you know, you sort of picture yourself in that. Has he got a TV show? Is that what that is? I think so. Yeah. Or a podcast. Who has given him the light of day? I know. <laughs> goodness gracious me. I know. But she did. Um, yeah, she did represent the vegans very well. So Good on um, her. that was brilliant. Um, but obviously she's, you know, a complete pro. She's been doing it for <laughs> over 40 years. Yeah. But um, I mean, we we sort of briefly touch on, you know, an, the animal rising and all the other protests and things that have mm-hmm. been going on. And it does divide people, doesn't it? Even the vegans, I think, you yeah. know, it does make people very angry when their sporting events are disrupted or yeah. whatever. I saw, I saw something um, literally just before I was about to record today with you. Today with you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that I think it's just stop oil have um, they like glued themselves to the wings of a private jet and sprayed all of the windows orange. Um, so it's it that it's it's big right now, isn't it? And yeah. I guess what what Ingrid is doing is probably the most extreme. I think I don't think I've ever. I didn't know this was allowed actually to be able to send body parts to people in a will. Like that's in my head is like, do, do does the person can the person just reject it, or is it? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What's, like, what in, what's in this parcel? Oh, it's a leg. Um, no, I won't. I won't sign for that. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you? Can they just be like, oh no, don't worry, I don't want it. <laughs> I know. I mean, I guess it's more the sentiment and the statement, isn't it? That like it's and us right now talking about this and yeah you know it's obviously meant to replicate how we just sort of discard animal bodies yeah animal parts as if it's nothing do you know what I mean yeah. even as treats sometimes as you say like you know a leg of lamb for Easter like that's a gift do you yeah. know what I mean it's yeah, yeah it's strange I it's um I think it's just got to the stage where it's everything's becoming so sort of desperate isn't it in terms mm. of climate change and everything that um you know organizations like animal rising and, and just stop oil are kind of just yeah having to sort of step it up a level but yeah I mean good on them I'm definitely not again something that I I I wouldn't have the courage to do it I think it it comes down to I don't disagree with their practices I think it's just my courage but then you would argue well you know you're going to need courage when the world's burning yeah you know what I mean it's it's I'm very privileged to be able to 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 be able to make that choice whether to do that or not because like I mean what goes through my mind is the pigs in the the 
the cages. Yeah. Oh, um, I did see some little pigs yesterday at the farm. It was oh, like those and they were so beautiful. Oh, I love them so much. Yeah, it's a city farm, isn't it? Some yeah, Warburgs. Yeah. Beautiful. Really lovely. I know. They're such amazing animals. And yeah, I think I always think of them and I think, well, you know, like whatever it is I'm doing, whether I don't know, if if it's anything that sort of involves hardship, I just always think, well, it's not as hard as what they're having to go through. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And as I said, it's, it's just down to privilege. It's, you don't have to worry about these things. You don't have yeah. to worry about being a pig. You don't have to worry about being, <laughs> you know, in a country where climate change is directly affecting mm. you. I mean, you know, the UK saw it last year, house blow, you know, houses just catching on fire, wildfires everywhere because of just the temperatures were so high. You know, we are getting to a space where we are, eventually going to be experiencing the effects of climate change and just mass animal um i always forget the word what is the word extinction um loss of biodiversity that as well um agriculture that's like do you know what i mean yeah i I know what you mean babes Well, let's hear what Ingrid Newkirk has to say about her 40 years of activism. And um, like I said, don't forget to share this episode with a friend on socials and subscribe. So I'm yeah, very excited to be joined by Ingrid Newkirk, who's founder of PETA. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I was just watching your um, interview with Nigel Farage and oh. um, can I just say how well you dealt with that interview? I mean, obviously you've been doing this a long time now, but yeah, it was. <laughs> he's uh, yeah, it was it was a good watch. Well, you could tell he's not really an animal rights activist. Definitely, yeah. Well, luckily we're a lot more friendly on this podcast. So, you're um you're sort of market. I was going to say celebrating forty years of PETA at the moment, but celebrating doesn't really feel like the right word. I mean, surely you wish that PETA didn't actually exist and you didn't have to do any of this. <laughs> that's that's absolutely right. I mean, we struggle on, but you can look back and see so many things that have happened, good good things that have happened as a result of those forty years of work. And so I'm very glad. I'm, I'm happy we've been had we've had the opportunity to work. Yeah. So tell us about some of the things that you've done over the years. I mean, 40 years is, you know, such a long time to be doing this. It's incredible. Well, I hope it'll go on for much longer that uh, we'll have a chance to knock away at the various things that are done to animals. Um, When we started, everybody wanted fur. Every little girl dreamt of growing up to have a fur coat. And that idea has completely vanished. Way back in 1981, I think it was, uh, we got all the groups together in the US and said, let's attack fur. And we sent out mailings. They were the first that ever went out to show people animals in steel traps. And people were horrified. They had had no idea. And after some years of campaigning, faux fur came in. And ladies would wear a fur coat, faux fur coat, with a big button that said, make no mistake, mine is fake. And then that phase fell away. Um, And now, of course, nobody would really be seen dead in fur. Um, We got the the biggest circus on earth, the Ringing Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, 
by dint of protesting at every single show, every weekend for years and years, and doing an undercover expose and getting them prosecuted for cruelty to animals to stop using animals at all. And that's a major coup because it set the stage for other circuses to also abandon animal acts. And today it's hard to find them. Then um, we stopped all car crash tests on animals. They used to take pigs and baboons and slam them into walls. And um, we, we escalated that campaign from simple requests to meet to actually setting fire to donated cars outside auto showrooms. And eventually they decided they'd better do something because they didn't know what we'd do next. And so that's yeah. how we have mannequins, you know. So there are many, many things like that, but the growth of the youth movement is my favorite success story because there are so many young people who are growing up and have grown up to know that animals are friends, not food. They're individuals, they're people, they're not things. And that's wonderful. That's, that's a revelation in 40 years. Definitely, what an achievement. I mean, yeah, some of the things you talked about there are just horrifying and things that, you know, we aren't necessarily aware of going on, you know, things like animal testing, you sort of think it's a thing of the past or that, you know, it's not really that bad. And and it's just so shocking to, to discover the truth, isn't it? And it's, you know, in this day and age, why does, you know, why are we, is it not all out there? Why does, why is not everyone vegan? Because <laughs> they're seeing what goes on behind closed doors. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of people, are afraid of, of challenging science. And they think when someone says, but what if you could just use one mouse and you would save a human child? I mean, they would think you were absolutely nuts uh, if you objected to that. And the fact is, of course, which they're not in the labs, they're not most of them in science, they haven't studied the issue, is that it's the 21st century. And even things that you thought previously might have some promise, we now know don't because we have so many sophisticated non-animal methods of getting information, trying new drugs, trying new treatments. But the problem really overwhelmingly is not, well, how many angels dance on the head of a pen with some amazing animal experiment that might save someone, it's the 99.9999% that are curiosity experiments in which animals are locked up for life. They have an electrode put in their brain. They have their babies taken away and made into addicts. You know, they're tortured. And I don't use that word lightly. There's no other word to describe it. These animals live in constant fear, continual pain, and at the end of it, they're killed. But they spend maybe eight years of day and night in a metal box, having only things done to them, no life at all. Mm. That's what people need to understand, and billions and billions of pounds being spent on it. This is just rubbish, and taxpayers need to rise up, but they don't know about it. Yeah, it's horrific, isn't it? I, mm. I spoke to the, um, I think it was the CEO of Cruelty Free International, um, I think it was last year or maybe the year before on the podcast. And yeah, that really opened my eyes because, you know, I think even people who work in the vegan movement day in, day out don't necessarily know. And, and she was saying that it's not even a reliable form of, 
of science, you know, testing on animals. So it's just because that's the done thing and the rules, the laws are there saying, well, you can't get it through if it's not tested on animals. And it's like, what are we doing? (laughs) It's a dirty, old, cruel, expensive habit. And it doesn't bode well for human health. And it doesn't show any sensible use of our money. Um, We have a little film You could probably Google it or look on YouTube for it called Test Subjects. It's made by a famous um, film producer. It's a very, very short film called Test Subjects. And it doesn't really show you very much about animals. We've got a lot of films that do, a lot of horrible videos that do. But in Test Subjects, we interview four women who were getting their PhD or their MD. They were becoming scientists and doctors. And they recount with regret how in their medical education and their science education, they were compelled, they were forced to experiment on animals. And they found out that it had no benefit whatsoever. It was to get their degree. They had to pass as if a test that I've done this. And one of the women who is, they're all physicians and and scientists now, um, she said, she has kept a tally because she now works for Peter of how many animals she has saved because she knows how many she killed. She killed over 200 mice in the course of getting her degree because she was told you will not get your degree unless you do this. And now she's counting up how many she saved. And she said, it'll never equal because I shouldn't have killed one. But I felt under that constant academic pressure that that's what I was going to be, a scientist, and I had to do it. I, I objected, and they didn't listen to my objections, and now I know it was for naught. Mm, what an amazing story. Um, what What's the biggest challenge today, do you think, for you know organizations such as yourself and just as for humanity as a whole? Well, I think it's the same old intangible. It's obliviousness. It's, it's um, apathy. It's trying to find ways, and this is the challenge, trying to find ways to persuade and to push and to nag and to do whatever it takes to get people to stop eating and wearing and experimenting on and doing all the other ugly things they do that cost animals their happiness and give them great fear and pain. I I think trying to find, the greatest challenge is trying to find that little inroad to every single person and people are different, so you have to try different approaches to reach them with something they do understand that will open the door to them accepting that something they're doing is hurting animals, and that's not the kind of person they see themselves as. They really want to be a kind person, and so they haven't been aware, perhaps, or they haven't thought it important enough, perhaps, but we have to find these ways to overcome any resistance and any obliviousness and reach them. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's kind of activism on a sort of micro level, isn't it? That we can all do, you know, even if it's just cooking a, a nice vegan meal and for friends and kind of, you know, just bringing things up in conversation. What about big activism then things that we you know obviously in the UK this summer we've seen a lot of things with animal rising and just stop oil lots of people very upset about it um, you know disrupting their games of 
pool like snooker and rugby and and you know the horse racing and everything um do you you know do you think it works i mean it certainly gets the headlines doesn't it well, it's rather fascinating this weekend because, uh, you know, one person managed to get onto the Epsom racetrack. Um, and I don't think that anybody is trying to get on when horses are coming by. I mean, I don't think so. Um, but a hundred years ago, I was reading the paper, Emma Davis, the suffragette, actually raced, got onto the track. And she was, unfortunately, she was killed by one of the king's horses coming through. Mm. But she was protesting for the right to, of women to vote. And at the time, she was derided. People called her everything in the book. I mean, from slut to this to that. She, she was taken to prison with you know, Pankhurst people. And they were force-fed the way ducks and geese are force-fed today, with a tube stuck down their throats. Mm -hmm. um, today, she got a blue plaque. This weekend, she got a blue plaque honoring her activism. And I think that shows that you have to be persistent. You have to be provocative. Um, it's very nice to be polite. It doesn't cost you anything to be polite. But we have to have a little bit more energy and, and nerve if politeness itself isn't working. And she showed the way. And today's society recognizes that she was right. And racehorsing, race, racehorses suffer terribly. 266 horses have been killed on, on English racetracks alone in the last 15 months. That's nothing to sniff at. That's death, let, let alone any other drug problems, injuries, where they end up in the horse meat factory. Uh, we have an undercover investigation showing them shipped all the way to Korea to be ground up for horse meat in hideous situations. So yeah, if nobody listens to the facts, my hat is off to anybody who is trying to say, you need to listen. Society needs to listen. I really wish they would. <laughs> I mean, you know, things have obviously, I mean, especially over the last 40 years, I mean, my God, you must have seen some changes. And especially with, you know, things like vegan food in the supermarket where, you know, progress is being made, but it's never as fast as we'd like it to be, is it? <laughs> Well, it's never as fast as the victims would like it to be, of course. Mm. If you think of civil rights, women's rights, child rights, you know, any of these things, um, we, we press as campaigners and we get impatient and frustrated and depressed. That's uh, the inability of people to just think, aha, you're right, because we are. But um, the, the vict victims are always the ones who... You know, many, many will go to the chopper before we succeed, which makes it mm. urgent that we do everything we can. Tell me about the story that um, you're, you've updated your will to include body parts being sent to um, sort of celebrities and royalty. That really struck me earlier when I was, <laughs> I was sort of doing a bit of research online. Well, it's, I'm updating it. It's been 20 years since I made my will. And I made it so that if, when I die, my body is intact, my activism can continue because bits of my body, I'm donating, well, I'm donating the whole thing to Peter. And they, poor things, will have to find um, ways to ship it to various individuals. I said part of my throat should go to King Charles, or he's the same age as me, so if he's dead, or whoever the monarch is at the time because there's still, if there is still a royal loft for pigeon racing. And here's a situation where people think, 
nothing wrong with pigeon racing. They just fly out and they fly. No, it's a terrible sport, like horse racing if you dig and look. And pigeons are the dearest, gentlest of animals. They're super parents. We could take a leaf out of their book. They um, take turns looking after their babies. They each, the male and female, make milk for their babies in their crops and feed them. They're just wonderful and gentle and kind. And yet they're exploited for that trait. What happens is they're taken across the English Channel to France or Spain, released there because they have their baby or their egg or their life mate at home. And they are driven, no matter how difficult, to cross the channel or fly those hundreds of miles to get back to them. And they are afraid of water. And most of them drown. They come down, they, once in a while you'll hear of a, a boat that they say a pigeon landed on the boat and it's a big deal, you know, we, we're going somewhere else and the pigeon landed on the boat in the English Channel. They're desperate. They land in the water and they drown. They're caught in, crush, in cross currents, and yet they battle on. And sometimes 98% of them do not make it home. And the ones who do, who are late, often have their necks wrung. So part of my neck is going to the royal loft unless they abandon it. God, I had no idea. I mean, that's just, mm. obviously I wouldn't support that, you know, pigeon racing anyway, but... I had no idea that that's what happened. That's that's horrendous. Oh, poor little pigeons. Um, what about what other parts then? I think was it your leg, <laughs> leg to aim tree? Is that right? Yes, indeed. Um, I part of my one one of my legs. Luckily, I've got two to give away. Um, one <laughs> of my legs will be broken death and sent to the Grand National because so many uh, horses do die, as we've talked about and break their legs and they're put down afterwards. But one of the reasons that they break their legs, if you look at a horse, they have matchstick legs with a giant body on top and um, they are pushed to the hilt. You know, at, um, at, on a flat race, they're allowed to whip them six times. On a jumps race, they're allowed to whip them seven times. The fact that there's a restriction on the number of times you can whip a horse would tell you somebody knows there's something wrong with whipping a horse. Yeah. They limit yeah. the number of times. But can you imagine whipping your dog to hurry up in a race mm. or whipping your child in an egg and spoon race? I mean, they're whipped. It's everything to do with horse racing. And of course, there's drug use. They, they give them often. We get uh, stories or we ourselves bust uh, horse racers for the use of all manner of, of, of performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah, it's, it's when you kind of look at it like that and, you know, just think about how much, you know, most people, well, everybody, especially in the UK, like loves their pets, their dogs, their cats, you know, and then you're, I suppose it's speciesism, speciesism isn't it? I can't ever say that word, but... <laughs> You know, it's um, it's just yeah, it's just a different way of looking at things, and yeah, something that I hope will slowly, or or speedily, <laughs> start to change. Well, what you say is it, it it is a way of looking at things, and I think what happens ordinarily, I mean, many times you use a phrase and you have never thought 
what it means. You've never looked at the origins of it. You've just used it your whole life. And some one day someone will say, where did that come from? What does it actually mean? Pull the wool over your eyes or whatever. And you then go back and find the origins. I think the same is true with so many things that we do and we see, is we don't really see what's going on. Case in point, I'm giving a, um, a part of my body to crafts. I'm giving my trachea to crafts. Um, because they breed these dogs and sell them. Everybody has them. Uh, Boston Bulldogs, French Bulldogs, Pugs. If you look at them and you think, oh, they're so cute, because they are so cute, but they've been bred to look like cute toys, they have no noses. They have something slashed into their face. You look at them sideways, there is no nose. And that means they have this breathing impairment so they're puffing all the time. They're <laughs> People yeah. think that's natural because they haven't thought about it. Their tongue shouldn't yeah. be lolling out of their mouths. I don't know how they're going to get through the summers as the summers get hotter and hotter. And many of yeah. them, they don't. Yeah, it's quite shocking, isn't it, really? I, because, because it's been quite warm lately and I've seen a few dogs and thought, hmm, it just doesn't seem quite right. Mm. Yeah, but you don't think about it until someone points it out, really. Yeah. You notice exactly. that those dogs don't really have noses. They have deliberately yeah. bred them to have shortened breathing apparatus and they can't cope. Yeah, just becomes normalized. So what's next for Peter then? What's um what's on the agenda for the next few years? Um, we are concentrating one of our efforts on the fashion and clothing industry, not just fashion. And everybody knows fur is a thing of the past, but leather is, if you're a vegetarian and you still wear leather, you need to think about the fact that leather is a co-product, not a byproduct, a co-product of the meat industry and the meat industry makes a ton of money from the outside of that cow or whatever it is. So leather will be heavily on our agenda to get rid of. No excuse now. We've got apple leather, grape leather, oh, every kind of corn leather. I, I Every day I seem to hear of a new leather. Yeah, pineapple and cactus. and <laughs> Yeah, cactus. Alicia Silverstone just did an ad for us with cactus leather boots. Oh, yes. I had her on the podcast. She's so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you? She's amazing. She's so wool will, of course, wool is big, angora, cashmere, anything stolen from an animal, anything an animal has to be killed. We're not cave people. We don't need to wear anything like that. We've got fabulous textiles and we've got old textiles we love still, hemp and cotton. And then we have all these things like the pineapple leather, like um, clothing and bags and belts and shoes made from recycled plastics, which means removing plastics from the environment and doing something useful with them. So, you know, that's, that's one of the areas we'll concentrate on. Experimentation, food, the whole gamut. Yeah. It's funny. I think um, people seem more more inclined to kind of embrace new technologies when it comes to like fashion as opposed to food, don't they? They're, I think food somehow 
sort of is entrenched in people's culture and oh I my granny always made roast beef on a Sunday and I'm not giving that up for anyone and these <laughs> vegans are telling me to and but when it's like well you could have this amazing new you know pineapple lover and it's really exciting and it's great for the environment then it's it's almost easier to embrace I think isn't it so it's perhaps quite a good good way to go yeah absolutely and there's such innovative young designers and people coming up but on the food front you know I grew up with roast beef on Sunday and sausage rolls and all these things and I when I come to England I am just so excited because I can get a Frey Bento steak and kidney bean <laughs> pie instead of a kidney pie. Yeah. A Greg's vegan sausage roll. And I, I mean, and maybe it's junk food, but I love it. The KFC vegan chicken. I mean, it's really, if it's all about your taste buds and what you grew up with, you can get, there's a new steak, I think, at Marco White's if you have that kind of money. I mean, there's just yeah. <laughs> those things, no matter your income or or your taste, all vegan. Yeah, there's certainly something to celebrate. And I can't imagine the sort of food you were probably eating 40 years ago. <laughs> I could imagine it wasn't, well, it was probably whole food plant-based, so it was probably actually really, really healthy. <laughs> it was sad, it was sad. We would open a tin of the, the Seventh-day Adventists had a store near our office at the Peter Building. And there was a little store, it was the only one for really hundreds of miles around. And they would sell tins of these sausage hot dog like things that were made of some kind of plant. And we thought that was heaven because that was all we could get. And I'm a terrible cook. So. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, Ingrid, it's been so amazing to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And thank you for everything you've done over the last 40 years. Um, I hope, you know, someone's sort of treating you or I don't know <laughs> doing something nice for you to say thank you well they always do but the best thank you I can ever get is if someone asks you what you want for your birthday say I'd like you to go vegan for two weeks please there couldn't be a better gift do things for animals that's the best gift yeah that's a brilliant idea okay I'm going to adopt that I'm going to use it <laughs> Well, that's it from the Simply Vegan podcast for this week. Do let us know what you thought of the interview with Ingrid and whether, you know, do, do you feel these things are too extreme or do you support them? Simplyvegananthem.co.uk and also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice. Next week, I'm speaking to Hugh Richards about growing our own food. And don't forget to join us on Patreon for our live cook-alongs and lots of other benefits. 